where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Throughout the season of Lent, which is the season of preparation before Easter, we have been lighting a candle each Sunday that calls to mind a word that we will be paying particular attention to in our service and inviting all of us to pay attention to it throughout the week. Three weeks ago, we lit a candle for together, and we thought about the work and the journey that we are all on as a community. Last week, we lit the candle for grief as we considered the grief that is in the world and the way that we support one another in that. And today, we light the candle for refuge. And we will consider how God becomes a refuge for us in this season. beginning this morning with a picture book. So if you would like to move closer to be able to see the pictures as I'm reading, you're welcome to, but they will be up on the screen as well. When Jesus taught, he often taught in parables. And as the kids say, the parables are something that teaches us about God. Jesus' parables were drawn from daily life. They weren't uh, specifically religious, if you just heard the story out of context. And so we're hearing a story that is similar. It is a story uh, from day-to-day life. And as we read it, the question that we can consider is, what could this show us? about God. Another way to ask it is, if this was a metaphor for your relationship with God, what might it be saying to you? So this book is The Little Blue Cottage by Kelly Jordan. The little blue cottage sat by the bay, where pelicans flew and orange foxes played. All year the cottage waited for summer to return, and with it, the little girl. When the weather grew warmer, she finally arrived. The cottage whistled and hummed and filled with light. Nose to window, The girl gazed at the waves and whispered, You are my favorite place. Gray dolphins dove and white seagulls sang. Bright colored boats bounced over the bay. 
When nighttime came, the rocking chairs creaked. Waves lulled the girl and her cottage to sleep. Then it was fall. The girl left again. When wintertime came, the girl stayed away. While the little cottage shivered through the snow, the ice, and the rain. Summer came, though, and the dolphins splashed, and the blue cottage hoped, watching for the girl on the red clay road. Eventually, a honk, honk echoed around the bend. The girl had come back to the cottage again. The cottage smelled like bacon, pancakes, and popcorn. The little girl smelled like syrup, sunscreen, and sea. The girl cuddled close in her favorite nook and whispered, I miss you when I'm away. When heat filled the cottage, the girl stayed outside. The cottage kept watch as she caught fireflies. She swam like a mermaid and yelled in the wind, faster and faster, and again and again. When thunderclouds gathered, the girl hid indoors, where it was cozy, safe, and warm. Wild waves crashed and the world filled with water. As angry winds howled, the little cottage stood strong. Year after year, and night after day, the girl and the cottage, the sun and the rain. They grew up together from summer to summer, the little blue cottage, the little bay girl. Then one summer arrived and the girl stayed away. The cottage waited and waited. The kitchen was silent, smells of syrup fading. The boat went unused and games went unplayed. The cottage sat empty and dimming to gray through holidays, heat waves, and hurricanes. Years came and went, along with the hope that the little girl would appear on the red clay road. And then one day, a faint beep beep echoed through the drive. Gravel crunched under feet, and the little cottage cried, at last. The girl, now a mother, had finally arrived. The cottage whistled and hummed and filled with light. The girl opened the windows and breathed in the waves. I missed you, she whispered, while I was away. She repainted the cottage so it once more gleamed blue. It was just like new. It was just like always. The rooms filled again with family, seashells, and songs. And the little cottage beamed bright as the days lingered long. Gray do dolphins dove and white seagulls sang. Bright-colored boats bounced over the bay. When nighttime came, the rocking chairs creaked. Waves lulled the girl and her cottage to sleep.
I introduced the book with the question, what could this story say about your relationship with God? Who is God in the story to you this morning? There's no right answers. Know that as you're pondering. And with the word refuge on our minds, maybe what some of you experienced is the idea of God as the little blue cottage, a place that was safe and warm and welcome. Maybe what stood out to you is that the little blue cottage was always there, even when the little girl didn't come back for a while. Maybe, as we read, you pondered if the little girl might be a God image. Could God be the someone who always comes back? And if so, could you be the cottage? And what would it be like to think of yourself as a welcoming place, a refuge for God? There are no right answers. They're questions to ponder. But in our reading for this morning, the psalmist takes us to a place where they feel most secure. The psalm that we're reading is Psalm 63. It is one of the most loved psalms, and for good reason. It begins like this. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. And the psalmist continues. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you at night and meditate on you in the watches of the dark, you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. This is one of the psalms that is thought to be written by King David, and it's thought to have been written at the time when he was on the run from a rebellion that was led against him and his kingdom by his son Absalom. And so fleeing for his life, David goes into this Judean desert, and we sometimes call this the wilderness, but it's not wilderness the way that we might think of it. It is barren, and I think there might be an image of what the Judean wilderness looks like. Do we have a picture? There we go. Not trees. <laughs> More like deserts. There's no water. There are springs, if you know where to find them. And then right at the border, there's the Dead Sea, which, as its name would suggest, does not offer much of a reprieve. 
It is salt water, and there is no life to be found there. It's a place that makes you thirsty just thinking about it. And so David knows what he talks about when he's off in this wilderness and he draws on his physical thirst to describe this quest for God. I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. It's an experience most of us know, I think. Even today, chances are that many of us are here not because we know everything there is to know about God, but because we are yearning to know more. And with that in mind, it's worth remembering that David's words here don't imply that the search for God is in vain, like searching for water in a desert. He's giving voice to that experience of craving more. It's the experience of a young girl who returns each summer to a place that she loves. And so this same place that seems to be lacking in comfort, this desert, becomes a place of refuge. There's physical refuge, to be sure. David's not the only one who flees to the wilderness when he's in need of safety. John the Baptist preached in this same desert. Herod the Great, who is the Herod in the Christmas story, built two fortresses out there so that he would have a place of safety if his people ever revolted against him. While that little blue cottage is a place of refuge because it's cozy, the desert becomes a place of refuge because it's not. The same things that make the desert dangerous make it safe. During the season of Lent, we play with that same relationship between the physical and the spiritual. There is a way in which choosing to make ourselves a bit uncomfortable brings us closer to God. That's the reasoning behind traditions of giving something up for Lent. The wilderness experience, an experience of deepening into our physical and spiritual lives, has the possibility to be powerful simply because in the process of going without something, we learn to go within. And we figure out, don't we, what it is, what we have been substituting for God or using to satisfy our thirst for God. TV, shopping, cussing. Maybe it's something else. Control, criticism. As writer Debbie Thomas says, giving up these things isn't in and of itself the virtue. It's the classroom. As humans, we are built to love. The question that Lint asks of us is, what do we love? I find that we rarely go astray because we fail to love something. We go astray because we fall in love with the wrong things. And so every once in a while, we need to examine what it is that is in our life and is it rightly ordered. Sometimes, though, the things that are in our way aren't 
the things that we think of, the things I listed as Lenten practices. Sometimes when our souls are thirsting for God, it's because there's something else in our way. And to look at this idea of refuge from another angle, we're going to turn our attention to another scripture reading, which comes from Luke. And listen in particular to the parable at the end of this reading. Jesus has been teaching, and so the passage begins. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these people suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will perish perish as they did. Or do you think that those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that he planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and he found none. And so he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The idea of refuge looks a little bit different here. You might have to think about it from a different angle to see this idea emerging. We start with the news that's really tragic. Pontius Pilate has killed a group of Galilean Jews. And meanwhile, the Tower of Siloam has collapsed, and others have been killed in Jerusalem. It seems as though somebody has arrived, and they have told the people gathered this headline news. And as people hear it, they're eager for reassurance. They want to know why it happened. And from the way that Jesus answers, it seems to be that they're not just looking for a vague why. They want the reassurance that it happened because the people involved were sinners. In other words, they want to be reassured that it can't happen to them. Jesus doesn't give that kind of reassurance at all. Instead, he offers a parable about a tree. In a book called Shelter, Finding Welcome in the Here and Now, the author, who is a Buddhist, describes the concept of mu, or unasking. If someone asks a question that is small, or flat, or too confining, He answers that you can answer with this word, which means unask the question. 
There are better questions to be asked. There are perhaps wiser questions, deeper questions, questions that expand possibility rather than seeking only to dispel fear. That's what Jesus may be doing. He doesn't go right to words of reassurance, but he does offer the possibility of refuge. The parable of the fig tree is a story of nurture even in the face of hardship. It's the story of a gardener who chooses to spend more time with the tree that others have already written off. And there is a promise there, isn't there? That whatever else happens, the gardener will always be near. So on this third Sunday in Lent, we are halfway to Easter. Maybe a question to ponder in the week is how you can practice finding refuge in God. Where is the little blue cottage of your soul? And how often do you run there, eagerly waiting for a chance just to sit by the window and be loved? There is something about us humans that we make this harder than it has to be. We put off this time in prayer or meditation or reading words of inspiration because it seems like an additional demand. But it was never meant to be a demand. It is only an invitation. Come, sit in the shadow of God's wings, as the psalmist says, and take rest. May it be so with each of us.